We've all been startled by the noise on our phones that happens when an Amber Alert is issued near where we're at. Now, you've probably also heard of Silver Alerts, but what about Blue Alerts, Camo Alerts, Clear Alerts, or even Feather Alerts? Well, me neither on some of those. So today, let's investigate what they all mean, and I'll give you some instances where they were used and where they still need the public's input to get situations resolved. I'm really happy that you decided to join me today for this episode of The Unlovely Truth. I'm your host, licensed private investigator Lori Morrison. I want us together to tackle another story from the world of true crime and see what spiritual and safety tips we can find there. I believe that every Christian's calling is to be what I call a different kind of PI, a person of impact. It is so much easier to do than you might think, and we'll talk about how you can take one easy step to be that kind of PI for someone this week. This is Season 4, Episode 14. My heart always jumps up into my throat when I hear that an Amber Alert has been issued. But when you realize that the system has aided in the recovery of over a thousand children, well, then it's worth it all. But I had no idea that so many other types of alerts existed. This was really an interesting episode to research. I learned so much. Now, not all of these are nationwide, so I'm sure I'm not going to cover some that you've probably heard of. And if you know of one that I miss, oh, please let me know so I can share it on social media and then more of us will be aware of how we can help vulnerable people. First, let's run through several different alerts so that we can just become more aware of what kind of groups out there might be considered extra vulnerable like children are with Amber Alerts. So we'll start with one that you've probably heard of, Silver Alerts. Not every state has a silver alert system, but many have similar ones that might just go by different names. Like Amber Alerts, each state has their own criteria to get one issued. Are you surprised that there are criteria even for Amber Alerts? Now, for silver alerts in some states, a missing person has to be 65 or older to qualify. In others, the missing senior has to have been medically diagnosed with something like Alzheimer's disease, dementia, or some sort of mental issue that would make them more vulnerable than your typical average senior. Critics argue that having all these multiple types of alerts weakens the impact of the AMBER alert. That is a really valid concern, and we certainly don't want to do anything to make AMBER alerts less impactful and less successful. But I think that silver alerts have also played huge roles in quickly locating some vulnerable adults who may have wandered away from their caregivers, that outweighs any of the potential negatives. The big thing is that we all need to pay attention to all of the alerts that come our way. Now, most silver alerts are resolved fairly quickly, but here's one from over six months ago out of Florida. So even if you're not in the Florida area, please share this with someone that you might know there or ask your friends if they have contacts there to share this. 87-year-old Borges Diaz was last seen leaving his home in the area of Bird Road and Southwest 129th Place in Miami, Florida. From a quick look at Google Maps, it looked to me like that's pretty close to St. Kevin's Catholic Church, 
if you're familiar with that area. And it's also less than 10 miles from the Everglades. So we're very concerned about his safety. Mr. Diaz was last seen wearing a blue hat, blue t-shirt, blue jean shorts, and blue sneakers. He might be traveling in a 2014 gray Hyundai Sonata, and that would have Florida tags on it. His silver alert flyer says that he has gray hair and brown eyes, and that he stands approximately five feet, five inches tall, weighs about 140 pounds, and he walks with a cane. Now, if you've got any information on Mr. Diaz's whereabouts, please contact the Miami-Dade Police Department Special Victims Bureau and their missing persons squad, that's all wrapped up into one unit, I believe, at 307-715-3300. You can also call Crime Stoppers at 305-471-TIPS. That's 305-471-8477. This next alert is one that I had not heard of yet, and it's called a blue alert. Over 35 states currently use them to get information out quickly to help find and apprehend violent criminals who have killed or seriously injured a law enforcement officer in the line of duty. Blue alerts can also be used to let people know that a suspect poses an imminent and credible threat to law enforcement or when there's an officer who is missing in the line of duty. According to data from the FBI, Deaths of officers in the line of duty were up 29% in 2021. That is so scary for officers and for their families, but for the rest of us too. Because who's going to stand between us and the lawbreakers if nobody wants to be a law enforcement officer because it's so dangerous and because we as the public don't stand behind them and don't support them when they need help? Now, I get it. There's been a lot of stuff in the media about law enforcement officers who have not done their duty well, or maybe they've misused their office. And I get it. That happens. But you know, there are restaurants that mess up your order, and I bet you still go back. People make mistakes, and every line of work has people that shouldn't be in that line of work. But the vast majority of our law enforcement officers are doing the very best they can, and they really do want to help people. So we need to not only thank them for their service, but we need to do what we can to help keep them safe. And sometimes it's a matter of finding answers for families that have lost a loved one in the line of duty. Alice, Texas has the good fortune of being located between Corpus Christi, McAllen, Laredo, and San Antonio. And that has made it an ideal center for distribution for many of the oil companies in the area. There's a lot of notable people who have come from Alice, including professional athletes and even a couple of Nobel Prize winners. But people from Alice probably aren't as quick to share the story of Bill Mason, a journalist who was murdered by the town's deputy sheriff, Sam Smithwick, in 1949, after he exposed corruption in local law enforcement. And that, unfortunately, would not be the town's last tragic event involving law enforcement officers. Alice police officer Matthew Murphy was shot on December 1st, 1974, after a traffic stop. And those are some of the scariest and most vulnerable positions that police officers can be in, is just conducting a routine traffic stop. Now think about it. If you're pulling somebody over, whether they've got a taillight out or they've been speeding or whatever's going on, 
You don't know who's in that car. You don't know if they have weapons. You don't know if they've just done something that would cause them to not want to have interaction with law enforcement. So we need to really support our officers who are out on patrol like that. Now, after he was shot, Officer Murphy was found by a brother officer and rushed to the hospital where he died in that local emergency room from four shotgun wounds. He was 33 years old at the time of his death and left behind a wife and two children. 43 years later, a jailhouse snitch gave the tip that led to an arrest. So obviously, blue alerts weren't around back when Officer Murphy was murdered. If they had been, the family might not have had to wait 43 long years to get justice. That's why blue alerts are so important. The men and the women who serve in law enforcement risk so much to keep us safe. So I'm very glad there's an alert that will hopefully not only bring justice, but will also deter people from targeting police. That's why blue alerts are so important. And that's why criminals knowing that their community supports local law enforcement is also critical. Camo alerts, which are also sometimes called green alerts, are fairly easy to figure out who they're for. They let the public know that a current or former member of the United States Armed Forces with a mental illness, post-traumatic stress disorder, brain injury, or other condition is missing. Only a handful of states, including Delaware, Wisconsin, and Texas, have passed CAMEL alert legislation. And again, we get back to that argument that, that is a fair one, where people say if we get too many alerts, they're going to water down how urgent they really are. But supporters of CAMEL alerts make what I think is a very important point. So let's look at their perspective. They insist that because of the high rate of suicide among veterans and the unique challenges of approaching people who are suffering from PTSD or brain injuries, CAMO alerts are necessary to protect at-risk missing vets. Some of the jurisdictions that have this kind of legislation to support these alerts will allow vets to self-register, and then they can later remove their name from the alert system. And the reason they have it set up that way is to protect a veteran's privacy. That became a huge issue for a veteran who admits that he was probably saved by the system, but he still feels shame at having his personal information broadcast out to the public. I'm not going to use his name because what's important is his situation, which he did share with the media. Let's put ourselves in his shoes for just a minute. Imagine that you are experiencing a crisis, and as you're driving, you suddenly hear your name, your license plate number, and your mental health information broadcast over the radio. Then you look up and notice it on one of those electronic billboards that go across the road. Would that make your situation better or worse in that moment? In Wisconsin, the legislation that makes the camo or green alert available is called the Corey Adams Searchlight Act. Corey was an Afghanistan veteran whose family thought that he might be suicidal. The police couldn't do much at first because adults do have the right to go missing if they want to. A few weeks after Corey went missing, his body was found. His family heroically began to advocate for other veterans and for this legislation, which got passed in 2018. Maybe not all of us want to be politicians. Honestly, probably most of us don't want to join that train wreck. 
But we can all use Google to find out what bills are pending in our state, who our representative is, and let them know what we support and what we don't, like this type of legislation. That's one way and a great way that you can be a different kind of PI. Not a private investigator like me, but that person of impact. I want to hear what your guesses are for what a clear alert is. Message me on Facebook at The Unlovely Truth or on Instagram at The Unlovely Truth Podcast. No fair messaging after I tell you here in a second. So just hit pause for a minute. I'll wait. Okay, great. You're back. I did not know this one either. But a clear alert is an acronym, in Texas anyway, for Coordinated Law Enforcement Adult Rescue. It's designed to bridge the gap for people who are too old for an Amber Alert because they do have age limits on those, but they're too young for a Silver Alert because there's age limits on that as well. Only a handful of states have anything similar that even goes by a different name. And my guess is that that's, at least in part, because adults do have the right to drop off the map if they want to. Not everybody wants to have a posse of people looking for them. This alert is designed for missing, kidnapped, or abducted adults, or those who are in immediate danger of injury or death. Again, the problem is, sometimes it's hard to know if someone is missing because they were kidnapped or are injured, or they just want to be left alone. I would also be concerned that if someone is trying to escape from an abusive relationship, the abuser could use this system to try to locate them. Now, I'm not saying that it's bad to have this type of alert. We just need to be very sure about what the parameters are. We need to use it very carefully. And when someone is trying to get an alert issued, we need to make sure that there isn't any type of protective order against that person or there's no history of domestic violence between that person and the person that they're trying to make the report for. The Texas Department of Public Safety issued a clear alert in October of 2022 for missing mother and son, Michelle Rowans, 49 years old, and Tyler Rowans, just 17. In part because of the alert, the black Mazda they were reportedly driving was found in Nebraska. Tyler was at the wheel, and police found a body of a woman in the trunk. It was Michelle. Tyler had murdered his mother in their home then fled with her body. And this was while Tyler was out on bond after having been charged a few months earlier with attacking a teenage girl in a school parking lot. He allegedly kicked, punched, and sexually assaulted her in his car. He was given a very low bond for what I see as a very violent act, just $10,000 or $15,000 depending on the news report that you read. The clear alert obviously didn't save Michelle but it did help get a very violent person off the street. The last alert we're going to cover today is another one that I had never heard of, a feather alert. As far as I can tell in my research, currently California is the only state to have implemented this alert. Its purpose is to find indigenous people who have gone missing under unexplained or suspicious circumstances. And again, like all alerts, there are criteria that have to be met before someone can get this alert issued. That includes, among other things, the obvious. The missing person must be an indigenous person. 
Now, the report that I was looking at didn't really specify if the person had to be recognized by a tribal group as an indigenous person. Tribes themselves have different criteria for recognition as a member. And those tribes would typically have jurisdiction over the case, depending on the circumstances and the location of where the case happened. So why do we need yet another alert? Wouldn't just a regular adult missing persons report work just as well? Well, here's something to consider. According to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the murder rate for women living on reservations is 10 times higher than the national average. Murder is also the third leading cause of death for Native women. And that is not just in California, but across the country. California Assemblyman James Ramos, who co-authored the bill, told the media that California is currently number five on the list of all states in the nation of unresolved murders and investigations of Native American women and persons from Indian reservations and Indian communities. Here's something else I learned for this week. There are 110 sovereign tribal nations in California. The U.S. Constitution recognizes tribes as distinct governments, and they have, with a few exceptions, the same powers as federal and state governments. This new law was aimed at making it easier for local law enforcement to work with local tribal authorities to identify missing persons and see if they meet the criteria to get a federal alert issued. And I think that point sums up one key lesson we can take from all of these alerts and probably from ones that we didn't have a chance to talk about today. In order to keep ourselves, our loved ones, and our communities as safe as we can, we have to learn to work together. Sharing alerts is an easy way to be a person of impact. Even if you don't personally have a connection to any of the alerts you see or the areas where they're issued, you might have someone in your circle who does. This is where social media can really have positive effects on our society. We can use it to share important information like these alerts, and that means more people are aware that someone vulnerable is at risk. And then while you're sharing, you can ask your friends to then share it even further. If we all work together, we can make our communities safer places for ourselves and our loved ones. It's so easy to think that we won't ever need to know about these alerts because they're just never going to affect us or anybody we know. That same false sense of security can creep into our churches as well. We don't ever want to believe that sometimes we might need some sort of church alert too. Paul shared with the early church some words that we need to reapply to our faith communities today. Let's read Acts chapter 20, verses 28 through 35 from the New International Reader's Version, which I love because it's just such plain-spoken, easy-to-understand language. Keep watch over yourselves. Keep watch over all the believers. The Holy Spirit has made you leaders over them. Be shepherds of God's church. He bought it with his own blood. I know that after I leave, wild wolves will come in among you. They won't spare any of the sheep. Even men from your own people will rise up and twist the truth. They want to get the believers to follow them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning you. 
Night and day, I warned each of you with tears. Now I trust God to take care of you. I commit you to the message about his grace. It can build you up. Then you will share in what God plans to give all his people. I haven't longed for anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that I have used my own hands to meet my needs. I have also met the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that we must work hard and help the weak. We must remember the words of the Lord Jesus. He said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That just highlights how much we need to be on the alert for those wild wolves who try to introduce twisted teaching that can lead to abuses and hurts of all kinds. This was so important to Paul that he warned the early church for three years to the point that it moved him to tears. He had been faithful to shepherd the church, and now he's pleading with them to do the same once he leaves. I'm going to get bold here for a minute, and this may really be off-putting to some of you, but hang with me. Too many churches today struggle here. They get caught off guard. When we have so many people who are being hurt in or even by the church, how can we expect those who don't know Jesus to think that we have anything good to offer them? So I'm issuing this challenge. Look at your church. See how well you're doing being a safe place for your community. See how well you're doing when someone is hurting. And if you've got a great story about how well your church is doing, I want to hear that too, because we want to spread the word, what works, what doesn't, and how we can be the salt and the light in our communities that we're called to be. If you liked this episode, check out the link in the show notes to an earlier one that's on a similar topic that I think would be really beneficial. And please help someone else begin their journey as a different kind of PI, a person of impact, by sharing the podcast with them. If you have a moment, subscribe to The Unlovely Truth and give me a five-star rating with a nice review so that the algorithm will push The Unlovely Truth out in front of more people who haven't heard it and that they will also kind of join our little band of resistance here to be safer and to help our churches be safe and welcoming places for the people who need us. The Unlovely Truth is written and produced by me, Lori Morrison. Music is by Neocortex, and the artwork is by Shelby Hyland. See you all next time. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. 